welcome to Are You Up Babes? I'm so glad that you've joined me. And this morning I wanted to camp in the book of Joshua. But this morning I wanted to look at how Joshua sent two spies to Jericho. He actually says to them, I want you to go to the other side of the Jordan River and scout it out. And I want you to look at especially Jericho. And so the two spies go and they come back and they report back. And this is what they say. The Lord has given us the whole land for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Now, God had been doing such incredible supernatural miracles that because of what God was doing, the people in the other lands were terrified of the Israelites' God. So they were terrified because they knew this God that the Israelites served, he was working miracles for them. And so they knew that the people were terrified of them because they knew that with this company of people came this powerful God. And really, that should be a picture and a story of our lives, that when people see our lives, hear our testimony, see how God works in our lives, they know that this mighty God is part of our lives. So what happens is the spies come back and they tell Joshua this. And early the next morning, Joshua tells everyone to pack up camp because they are leaving. And they arrive at the banks of the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River was no small thing to cross. I want you to remember when the Israelites left Egypt and they got to the Red Sea, the Egyptians were coming behind. God told Moses to hold up his staff. And then miraculously, the sea opened up. A pathway through the Red Sea opened up these walls of water on either side for the Israelite people to walk through. Now they're at the Jordan River and it's no small thing. In fact, the Bible tells us that it was harvest time and that the banks were overflowing. It was overflowing, which means the water was gushing. It was overflowing at the banks. It was no calm, small stream. It was an overflowing, gushing river. When they arrived at the Jordan River, I want you to remember that they had all their children, all their herds of animals. They had their tents and their luggage. The priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant and there were three million people. So it was no small thing for this huge crowd to cross the Jordan River. Now, this is what Joshua told them. He said to them, when you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant, I want you to move from your positions to follow them into the river. He told them to stay at least half a mile behind the priests, but to follow them. Then in chapter three, Joshua chapter three, verse four, Joshua says, since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Now, they were no longer following a cloud and a pillar of fire by night, but they were following obediently. It was by obedience. They were submitting to the instructions of God, actually. God had instructed Joshua on what to do so that they could cross the river, and he was now telling the people. And so in the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the ark and lead the people across the river. As soon as the priest's feet went into the river, so they had to step up into the river. This is very different to the Red Sea because the Red Sea just opened and they were able to walk through. But this time it was different. This river was overflowing. The banks were overflowing 
And Joshua tells them, as soon as the priests walk into the water and their feet touch the water, the water will begin to stop upstream. In a town actually called Adam, the water would stop there. It's as if God's finger drew a line across the river and said no more. It's as if the hand of God was holding the water back. The water stopped from that point on upstream. So I want you to picture it. The water's no longer coming from upstream and gushing down. It's only the water from that point on that's left and it's coming down. The priests have stepped into the river. The water is gushing there, but as they stand, the stream has stopped flowing upstream. The water is still continuing and the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea. So the water is continuing down into the Dead Sea. But no more water is coming in from that point on in the town of Adam. The water is actually building up like a wall. So only the water that's left. Now, when all the water runs into the Dead Sea, they're now standing on dry ground. I want you to picture that. It's amazing. When the, gro when the ground is dry, the people begin to cross. Three million people. The Levitical priests with the Ark of the Covenant stand exactly in the same place as the people begin to cross the Jordan River. Once everyone had crossed the Jordan River and the Levitical priests stepped out of the Jordan River, the water upstream began to flow again. You can imagine as that wall came crashing down and the water just came flowing down and straight into the Red Sea. It's quite amazing. And you know, as we read the word, it's important that we picture this phenomenon, this incredible miracle of God. You can only imagine the people living in the town of Adam standing there looking at this wall of water, not understanding what was going on, but later they would hear that the people of Israel had crossed the river and God had held the water back for them. Now, when they crossed the river, God had told them that they must go to Jericho and he'd given instruction. And so Joshua calls the, the fighting men and he says, right, we're going to march around the city of Jericho once a day for six days. Then on the seventh day, we're going to march around the city seven times. Seven priests are going to walk ahead of the ark and they're going to be carrying a ram's horn, which they are going to blow. But on the seventh day, the seventh time, after a long blow, where they hear the long horn blow, the people must shout and scream. So day one comes and the priests, seven priests walk ahead with the ram's horn blowing it. There's some armed guards walking in front. Then it's the Ark of the Covenant with some armed guards behind and the people of Israel. They walk around the city once and then they go home. Now Joshua instructed them this, do not shout, do not even talk until that point where the ram's horn gives one long blow. Do not shout, do not even talk. I want you to imagine if that was said today. You know, people battle to obey authority. People get wounded and offended so quickly. People will go, oh, can you believe they spoke to us like that? They said we mustn't even talk. Do they think we are children? You see, nothing negative 
No grumbling, no complaining, nothing against what God had already proclaimed as a victory needed to be spoken. And so Joshua knew this and said, no speaking. We're going to do this. We're going to walk around in dead silence. No speaking, no shouting until you hear the specific signal. Day one, they quietly march around once. Day two, they quietly march around once. Day three, they quietly march around once. Day four, day five, day six, they quietly march around once, go home and sleep. But on the seventh day, they march around the city seven times. The priests are blowing the ram's horn until the seventh time that they're going around the city. And then at Joshua's command, there is one long ram's horn sound and the people begin to shout in victory. And as they shout, the walls of Jericho come down. They literally crumble and come down and the people of Israel were able to capture the city. Now, there was an interesting study in Virginia, Virginia University, and they said that a large majority of people in the study tend to perceive hills as steeper than they really are. So if they were running or if they were walking and carrying a heavy load and they looked up at a hill, they would perceive that hill as much steeper than the hill actually was. When they were asked to give a degree of what they thought that hill stood at, most people would say it was a 50 degree slant when it was actually a 31 degree slant. When they told the people, you overestimated the hill and they told them by how much, the people were really, really shocked that they did not see reality. They perceived it so much harder, so much steeper, so much more difficult than it was. But isn't that true of our faith? When God gives us a burden to carry or when we are praying for something or when we are believing God for something and things get tough, situations get difficult, we feel like the burden we are carrying is too difficult. We can look up at the hill and see it, perceive it as much steeper, much tougher, much more difficult than it is that the load we are carrying is heavier and we're not going to make it. We perceive it as unreachable. And what happens is when we believe that it's unreachable, we begin to lose hope. Now, a life of faith implies effort on our part. It's easy to not have faith. It's easy to begin to go on a downhill. It's easy to give up. But a life of faith implies effort on our part. A life of faith is completely opposite to a life of sin. Sin always leads people along the easiest path and it's always downhill. Whereas faith requires effort because it directs us to climb up the mountain. So faith always requires this effort, amount of work, discipline, because we are climbing up a mountain. And although we face difficulties, we face challenges on this climb upward, we can be sure that we will always overcome them. We can rest assured God will always help us to overcome. Defeat always starts in our head. 
When we feel defeated, it's always by sight. We see something and we start to think thoughts. So defeat always starts in our head. You can have a mentality of defeat and failure. You can literally start, you start this climb, but in your head already, you're thinking, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to fail. This is too hard. I'm never going to get there. We've got to make sure we never think like that because the defeat has already happened in our head. But faith is walking, not by sight. We're walking, believing and trusting God. We walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. And Joshua was fully assured that they would overcome their enemies. He didn't look at how strong their enemies were. He didn't look at what type of weapons their enemy had. He didn't look at how much bigger or wealthier their enemies were. He had had a word from God that they would overcome. They would defeat. And so he was fully assured they would overcome their enemy. And because of that, he was assured that the power of God would weaken their enemy that their enemy would not be able to stand against them. And this is what we've got to believe, that God will overcome for us and that our enemy will be weakened simply by the power of God in the situation. Remember, we're never fighting flesh and blood. We may be standing, believing for something. We may be believing for our marriage. We may be believing for a child who's gone off track. We may be believing for a job. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep believing. Keep trusting. Keep standing on your faith. Don't look at the hill because the chances are you're making it steeper than it actually is. And remember, nothing is impossible for God. And so as you carry that weight, know Jesus actually carried it at the cross for you. He's made the exchange at the cross for you. So that victory is yours. So don't give up. Keep believing. Keep declaring. Keep standing on the promises of God. Your defeat starts in your head. Believe you've won. Picture you winning. Picture your marriage being the best marriage on the earth. Picture your child having breakthrough. Picture if your child is in a bad situation. I want you to picture your child healthy. I want you to picture your child getting married to a really wonderful spouse. I want you to picture your child being successful in their work situation. I want you to picture your child serving the Lord, having an encounter with God, being radical in their faith for God. I want you to picture and see it and declare it and thank God for it because God is faithful and he's placed those dreams in your heart. Don't let discouragement overcome you. You know, Joshua was fully assured, and as a result of that, the strength of his enemies was no strength against their God. The Lord had already promised to give Israel victory. And so we have the opportunity to see every single one of God's promises come to pass in our lives. We have that opportunity. However, the spirit of discouragement wants you to back away, wants you to believe it won't come to pass in your life so that you believe it's impossible. You see, that is why God hates unbelief because it makes us think God is unable. It makes us think it's impossible for God. But there is nothing that is impossible for God. If the miracle was dependent on us, oh, absolutely, then it's impossible. But the miracle is not dependent on us. The miracle is dependent on the strength and the mercy and the grace and the victory of the cross through the blood of Jesus. We have accessed it. 
and we just need to continue to stand in faith. So I want us to actually ensure we believe in God. And the following things happen when we stop believing God. Firstly, we take our eyes off God. We start looking at the situation. We take our eyes off believing God, off trusting God. The moment you take your eyes off God, you start thinking differently. You start speaking differently. You may go quiet in the beginning. So you go from God has got this, God is able, God is going to do this, the victory is ours, to becoming quiet. But after a while, you don't stay quiet because remember, we are the sum of our thoughts and what's in your head will come out and you start speaking things like, I don't know if it'll happen. I'm not sure if we'll see the miracle. My situation is so impossible. So when we take our eyes off God, that's the first thing that begins to happen. We start to become discouraged. The second thing is we stop thinking about the help he will give us. We start looking at the actual situation without faith and we stop believing God will help us. Our courage begins to fail us. We become discouraged. Remember, discouragement wants to destroy our dreams. Discouragement wants us to believe that it is impossible. And then we lose heart, we lose hope, we lose believing God will ever come through for us. We begin to settle for the little, for the less. We can become bitter, we can become hopeless. Why? Because we look through the eyes of logic. We look through what we could see and we disconnected ourselves from faith. And we are either going to stand on faith or we're going to be full of fear. You know, we cannot conquer that which we fear. You can't conquer something you're fearful of. You've got to stand in faith. I want you to imagine if you think a dog's going to bite you, the chances are you're not going to touch that dog because your fear of that dog is too great. I saw a great rescue video of a guy who was trying to rescue a dog and this dog was absolutely terrified and trapped under what looked like a railway line. And he'd managed to get the leash over the dog's head, but he couldn't seem to, the dog was too frightened to actually allow him to pull this dog out. And he was really trying to save the dog's life. Eventually, he said, I'm going to get there with the dog. I'm going to go under and get to the dog and try and pull him out with his legs. You see him go under and he wants to pat the dog and he puts his hand there to pat the dog and he says, please don't bite me. But the fear of the dog possibly biting him doesn't stop him from actually loving the dog and showing the dog that he's not going to harm the dog. And he begins to pat the dog and the dog relaxes a little bit. The dog is absolutely just frightened. And then he pulls the dog's legs gently. And again, when he gets the dog out, he says, please don't bite me because the dog is so fearful. He's not sure if he should trust this guy or not. And it's a beautiful rescue story that's always lovely at the end. But we need to remember, we cannot conquer what we fear. You cannot stand in faith in fear. You've got to stand in faith or you've got to stand in fear. God doesn't want us to stand in fear. Fear will crush you. And so we need to make sure that we do not stand in fear, but in faith. And we need to always speak words of faith. We need to make sure that we're speaking words of faith. And we need to ensure that we are not grumbling and complaining. We're not coming out of an ungrateful, unhappy, bitter heart. But we've got to make sure we're full of thankfulness. We're full of gratefulness. 
And so an overcomer is never careless with their thoughts or their words. And I know we've all messed up in this area, right? We've been careless with our thoughts. We've been careless with our words. And it's the moment we realize it's to say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I've been careless in my words. I've been careless in my thoughts. I have lost hope or I haven't trusted you and I come before you and I repent and I ask you Lord to help me in my unbelief let me believe you let me trust you let me trust you no matter what there is nothing that is impossible for you father God help me to stand firm help me to be full of courage to be courageous and to be strong in you we need to ensure that we always see the solution to the problem why because there is nothing that is impossible for God. And so I hope as we've looked at that, you know, the Old Testament has incredible, encouraging stories of how God supernaturally worked and moved through those people. And they did not have the cloud as in the Holy Spirit. So they followed the cloud and it was a type, a picture, an example for us who have the Holy Spirit living in us, living with us, living through us. They did not have the Holy Spirit. But look how they trusted God and the victory, how they obeyed God and how they walked in obedience to God. And they were by no means perfect. They messed up on so many occasions. But you see, this is the thing. God shows how much he loves us, that we don't have to be perfect, but that we do need to be obedient and stand in faith. So my prayer this week is as we've been continuing, that we would stand firm, we would stand strong, be strong and courageous for the Lord our God is with us. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you, Lord, and we pray forgiveness, Father. We repent for those times that we have become discouraged. We have stopped believing. We've stopped trusting. Our heart has failed us. Father God, we ask you to forgive us and we ask you, Lord, that we would believe above all, that we would stand firm, that we would be courageous and stand firm, that we would trust you with all of our heart. Father, we would not lean on our own understanding. We would not lean on circumstances. We would not lean on what we see. We would not lean on what other people say. But Father God, we would lean and trust and believe your word and your word alone. Your word tells us that you have promises. Your word tells us we are overcomers more than conquerors and your word tells us that we are victorious in Christ Jesus and I pray Father God for all those things we are believing you for for all those breakthroughs I pray that we would stand firm have a testimony of your goodness in every single one of them Father God may you receive all the glory all the honor and all the praise in and through our lives as we stand firmly and as we believe you I pray for every person who is believing you for their marriage for their children for their job situations, for their provision, for their companies, for their communities, for extended family, for their health, for their finances, for their rent, for provision, for their food. Father God, whatever the situation, I pray, Father God, that you would help them to stand firm, that they would not be discouraged. And Father, that they would dig deeply into faith. They would carry that burden for the hill is not as steep as we often think it is. And Father God, you will make a way for them. You will open the river. You will open the Red Sea and you will work the miracle. And we will give you all the glory in our lives. Father, help us not to grumble, not to complain, but to be forever thankful. We give you all the praise and honor and glory for you are a wonderful Father. And we pray this all through the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I want to encourage you to keep believing. Go and write down the things you are believing. 
next to it, write a promise from God and then speak it every day, thanking God that that will come to pass because of his goodness. I know that you will have amazing testimonies to share with people and write to us, tell us what God has done in your life. Love you lots. May God bless you.